This episode is powered by Safety FM. This is Sheldon Primus, the host of the Safety Consultant Podcast. During this time, we've all been tightening our belts because of COVID-19. I have been as well. Recently, I've found cost-effective alternatives to some of the services and programs that I was using, such as email marketing, hosting services, and even one of my favorites, Teachable. Visit sheldonprimus.com backslash resources for special offers to help you reduce your business overhead. If you're hosting a podcast or want to host a podcast, then visit sheldonprimus.com backslash hosting for a knockout deal. Don't give up on your dream. Get smarter on the back end of your business. Welcome to the Safety Consultant Podcast. I am your host, Sheldon Primus. This is the podcast where I show you and teach you the business of being a safety consultant. And this week we're going to continue our conversation that we started on Monday with the learning team. And uh, the learning team, again, if you did not get a chance to listen to Monday's episode, go back. You want to hear this. We are talking to Brent Sutton, Glennis McCarthy, and Brent Robinson. You guys can remember when I was having like a tough time with the Brents. <laughs> so I was like, all right, we might have to end up doing like Brent S and Brent R. <laughs> but obviously, I did not do that one. Uh, so I was really just learning a lot about the learning teams, how proactive it is. Uh, some of the things that you could see, the employees, they are the key to improving your system, improving your process. Uh, it goes into safety culture, but even beyond that, it could be organizational culture. Um, in this episode, we're just learning a little bit more uh, and then truly just trying to get a good feel of how to incorporate this, not only as you give this stuff to your clients as a safety consultant, but if you're still uh, making your way to being full-time for yourself and you're currently, and currently working for someone as you're you know, getting your way to be full-time, uh, this is actually going to be helping you too. So um, just go ahead, uh, continue listening to the group, and uh, we've had a, a great time together. Uh, like last week, I'm going to go straight into the episode uh, with no other sponsor or read for this one. And then afterwards, that's it. I'm going to end the episode. There is no tip of the week this week as well. Uh, so after this, have a great weekend. When we come back on Monday, we're going to have Jill James from Vivid Learning. And uh, she's actually ex-OSHA and a host of one of the safety FM shows, uh, and that is Accidental Safety Pro. So I'm going to have Jill James, Accidental Safety Pro, on the Monday episode. So just enjoy the rest of this with uh, the learning team, and uh, I will just see you back on Monday. Absolutely. The facilitator is somebody that is um, providing an opportunity for people to share their, their perspective. Mm -hmm. um, the facilitator is there to really do problem identification. So I think what the, the role of the facilitator then is to be able to scope. 
um, and when it's natural for us to want to get into solution mode um, and when we get when we jump into solution mode too quickly but haven't really understood the, the um, problem as it is then what the facilitator is doing is bringing it back to that problem exploring the problem summarizing what is being said so that people can hear it through different through different voices um, and we can get a much richer understanding of what is the situation and the context that we're, we're talking about. Um, you know, you made a comment before about um, how do you get the different stakeholders within an organisation to see value in something like learning teams. I think through the participation of learning teams, um, certainly some that Brent and I have been um, privy to where we've had workers and managers. Workers have taken away a, a feeling of, yeah, we're, we're part of the solution. We've got some value to give. And management on the other side have been, you know, literally sort of blown away by the insight, by how much workers see and understand and the expertise that they bring in terms of their role. Um, and so I think it's about building those partnerships. And you're right, there is an element of trust, um, but there is an element of trust that is needed for safety to work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, very well put. Um, a question just came up to me there uh, as you're uh, talking about this. What happens after the learning team together uh, the outcome of the learning team and now it's time to to put this into a process a procedure or, or something after you've you learned this thing especially if it's a management of change that's it becomes a little bit easier because now you've worked out what you need to do and then you go ahead and and do your play and do check act system uh but what's the uh for for any other uh, process or or mitigation that may come out of a learning team, does the learning team help implement anything, or are they just for the problem solving activity, and then it goes to another uh, side of the organization to take over from there? Sure, I'll minutes to explore a bit more, but but I think I just want to explore with you, Sheldon, something really interesting about PDCI. It's, it's, to us, it's really important. Uh-huh. The original model was PDSA. So the original model was plan, do, study, and act. Uh-huh. And now we've changed it to plan, do, check, and act. And I think there's something completely different between studying and checking. Yep. So for, for us, a learning team is basically saying... If we've implemented an improvement, has the improvement delivered on what we thought? And if it hasn't, and the only way we can do that is by studying how it's been put into place, not checking if it's present, but studying what sits the context of it. Study's about the context, checking is about the presence of it. If it didn't, if it didn't work as intended, then either you've got two options. A, get rid of it. Otherwise, it becomes clutter. And, and as you know, in safety, we're really good at building barriers of defences. The more barriers we can put in, the better off we are. But if they serve no purpose, I don't know why they're there. So either get rid of it because it becomes clutter or improve on it. Yeah. Any other guys? Yeah, I, I was just going to use the example in the construction industry 
we might run a learning team on a particular process on a work front we're working on with a group of people. And typically what you're talking about, uh, trust within the organisation, we'll have the head contractor come to us and say, these are the things you need to talk talk about at your pre-start meeting in the morning. Sometimes they're absolutely meaningless to us because they're telling us to talk about trenching or um, working in height and our teams might all be on the ground working on the ground. So those things don't um, have any use to us. But what we are doing is using the documentation set in Australia. We use a, a process called a safe work method statement. Um, it's probably one of the most misused things on the planet. Um, you'll see 18 page documents on how to use an angle grinder and that's not what they're intended for. And what we try to do is make them a really living document where we would try and, you know, we say to the teams, you guys are working on this stuff today, at the beginning of the day, what worked well for you yesterday? What improvements can we make, both from a safety point of view and an operational point of view? And they would feed into it. And we try and handwrite them. These are the changes we made. We've, we've made this safer and we found out one of the other teams was doing this and that's a really cool idea and it would be updated every day. We had one of the head contractors come to us saying, you've changed your safety documentations 10 times a month. What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. We're actually talking about it. It's actually improvement. Uh-huh. It's, you know, so you're right, you've got to flip it around, but you've also got to take it and um, just say, okay, we're going to run with this. This makes much more sense. And the, the guys we had on that side, it was a huge site. We had 75 people. It was two and a half miles across the site. There's 1,500 people and all the trades across the site. Um, and it took collaboration with lots of other stakeholders on that side and you know those are the, that's how it come you know in a construction sense that's how it, that's how it changed over that period yeah that was the capturing point of it it just became this living document you know yeah excellent that's good um it seems like this might need a um i, I know you guys put together a group and uh the group as it said it seems like you have different levels of of people who've engaged in learning teams before uh what was the purpose of the group and uh tell me a little bit more about that and tell my audience a little bit more about about the group you guys set up about uh, the learning team uh so, so i mean I think a couple of things. Um, uh, Todd issued us a challenge, which was to write a book. And uh, what we thought about in that challenge of writing a book, because the purpose of the book was about building better community. Uh Uh, Because at the end of the day, uh, wouldn't it be great to to be able to um, have uh, a method of worker engagement where people felt valued? And it, would, it, would it be great that um, health and safety people could see things in a different light? Yes. And make risk more visible? Wouldn't, wouldn't those things be wonderful? Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so Todd issued that, that, the challenge. Um, and, and, of course, um, uh, like, like good people that we are down in this part of the world, we said, well, the first thing we're going to do, we're going to write this book on learning teams by running a learning team. There you go. Okay. And Todd said it's either going to be the worst idea ever known to man or it's going to be freaking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No grey area. No, no grey area. area. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and if you read Todd's forward in the book, he's basically saying it's the best thing he's ever seen. Us yeah. Kiwis are up for a challenge. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Why not? You know, if it all goes wrong, we simply come back to where we are. Yeah. So it's a, it's, um, 
So, so the concept was that part of the book was the fact that we wanted to actually share um, stories about how workers saw learning, learning teams and also how the organisation um, saw learning teams as well. So throughout the book, we take different types of learning teams from uh, teenagers that, that Brett Robinson can talk about because it's a really good story about dinosaurs and zombies. Yeah, um, all, all the way through into um, uh, the healthcare sector, we have got um, surgeons and you know these high intelligent doctors and nurses, and we really explored how learning teams can can coexist across lots of diverse industries and lots of diverse people. And where every industry de- is dealing with certain inter- uh, challenges, like like the healthcare sector has a big issue around command and control. Okay, command and control. There's a hierarchy, mm-hmm. and never question higher up. Wow. Okay, and uh, in this country, um, the healthcare system has been running these programs called Speak Up campaigns for years to try and and, and do that. We, we, we ran a learning team, which was quite interesting because people ask us about how long do they take, okay, and, and how many people. And um, it was into, we, we ran a learning team with a group of people where we looked at four significant risks in their business. And we had the group of people together for 90 minutes. Wow. And the organisation oh. learned more in 90 minutes in the last two years about those risks in 90 minutes four risks that's great some people they don't even let let their workers gone for you know half hour safety committee meeting you know 90 minutes is 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 significant but uh you could very easily have done something like this over sessions and weeks Uh, but to get that kind of results in as short as 90 minutes that's that's amazing yeah, well, I mean, I've never seen an investigation be completed in 90 minutes. No. We can do more on a learning team in, in an hour, an hour and a half, than you could spend doing um, um, uh, weeks, days or weeks in an investigation. Hmm. And what was fascinating is that what people, uh, and what we saw through this process was what the organisation took from it and what the works took from it were very different completely different and that was unexpected yeah because historically learning teams have have focused on uh, the solution whereas what we looked at in the book we actually looked at what did people learn from it and just as important what did the facilitator learn as well yeah because for you to um, I think we use the word for you to master this art because it is an art it's not a process or a procedure, it's an art. You to master this art, you have to build critical thinking and reflection skills. And those skills are things that you actually have to apply. And when we wrote the book, one of the worst things that we encountered was the fact that as we learned more through the book writing process, we wanted to go back and rewrite the book. <laughs> <laughs> 
Some of us more than others. Yeah, that was a problem. Yeah, (laughs) and we realised that the book would never get there because because it's continuous improvement. You never get there. That's the point, right? (laughs) Continuous improvement. That sounds like uh, like an ISO thing too, with continuous improvement. The uh, uh, ISO forty five thousand and one, how it's looking for continuous management improvement. That kind of sounds like the same thing for me. But but go ahead, continue your story there, Brent. So what about Brendan Glynis? Uh, you want to you want to share your story about the um, outdoor adventure, Brent? Because that's already yeah, awesome. yeah. So this this is one of these eye opening aha moments, Shelton, no, where right. um, my daughter is part of a, um, a, a youth group that does a lot of outdoor adventure type stuff, and um, they had an incident where one of the kids, fourteen year old, um, fell off a uh, cliff. Oh, and, nice was significantly, you know, injured. He had to be airlifted to hospital. Wow. And so they did did the incident investigation. You know, what normally comes out was that um, he didn't follow the procedure, remembering he's 14 years of age, um, the 10 pages of procedures that you should do and you shouldn't do and what you should have and you shouldn't have. And, you know, and so I speak to one of the leaders of the group and he goes, you know, the kids just aren't engaged. And I said, well, they won't be, will they? You know, you can't give them that type of documentation. And it's just not the way they, they think. I said, what are you going to do? And I, I spoke to Brent about it. I said, you know, here's the here's the issue we've got. And he goes, you've got, you got to run a learning team. And um, so we got the kids, two of the older kids, and one of them was my daughter, to be the facilitator. And we gave them some instruction. We broke them up into a couple of groups. Um, and they came up, gave them the scenario, said, this is what you're going to do uh, next weekend. Go and have a look at the risks and start. we started putting them up on the board and the kids wrote them out on sticky notes, stuck them up on the wall, and then we broke them down. And those kids came up with a plethora of, of things. And then we, they went away and thought about it and then came back and broke it down and said, okay, well, yeah, in that, in that, some of the stuff we got... We got two things. One was he could be eaten by dinosaurs or he could get hit by a meteor. But the group didn't, you know, laugh at those kids. It was just they were having a bit of fun. And they took it out and go, it's very unlikely to happen. We don't need to worry about (laughs) it. Yeah. We photographed what they came up with. We did a bit of an affinity sort, photographed it, you know, pre-trip, on the trip, things we need to be aware of. Tell the story. Tell the story of what happened to the other, the other kid where the failure happened because it's you know it's about capturing that story, isn't it? And we photographed it, one piece of paper. Here's the things we're thinking about, and gave it to them. And each one of them had it held in their little folder. It wasn't a ten-page document, and it was a better outcome. And I just sat back and I, I looked at that and I said, if we can get twelve to fourteen-year-old kids to go through this process, actually enjoy it because they had a bit of fun with it as well. Oh, yeah. And we produce a better outcome at the end of it. There is something to be said for this. This is amazing. Yeah. Wow. That sounds awesome, especially since they participated in finding the solutions. That's what everyone yes. wants to they, do. They, they created the mitigations to the, the risks that they perceived. Mm-hmm. They perceive risks differently to... This old gray-haired guy here. <laughs> yeah, they're risk. Uh, they are not risk averse. Some of those kids, uh, uh, you I'm know, more risk averse as they get older. <laughs> That's great. Uh, it, how tell it? Tell everybody. Uh, unless we had another story, Glenn. It's I didn't know if I I gave you the opportunity. No, 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 let's keep, no, we'll keep going. Okay. Well, I just wanted to see if you guys could get 
uh, tell tell the audience how they could get your book and 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 how to find you guys. That's what I want to make sure that that they have you know a way to to get a hold of you and get get started on this. Yeah, well, look, I mean, the, the, the book was launched. Um, we did a soft launch on Amazon um, the first week of August. So there's currently both a print edition and a Kindle edition available on Amazon. Give us uh, the name again. We, we uh, uh, called the Practice the Practice of Learning Teams. That's, that's a funny thing. We, we thought we'd come up with something interesting called the Practice Of. Um, and uh, what's different about the book, um, Sheldon, is that we explore... Uh, in depth uh, uh, the five key principles of learning teams we explore uh, the different modes of learning teams mm-hmm. but more importantly we, we define what does a good learning teams facilitator look like we provide that person with the ability for them to assess where they're at for them to see where they need to be and help them develop a roadmap around that so the oh. book is more than just a selection of stories. The book is a journey. And the book was designed so that the reader is actually reflecting as they go. Oh. And and the sort of feedback we've had is that, one, it's an easy read, just which is great. And it's accessible for people. Yep. Good. People, they can Good. connect to it, if that makes sense. They yeah. can see themselves yeah. in it, in that, in that process. And that... Uh, what they knew and where they came out were different things. Yeah. Did you use the five yeah. principles because of HARP? Was it the same idea, keeping it five? Well, it was really interesting. I said to Todd, because in fact, um, Brett Robinson and I um, met up with Todd in Denver um, two weeks after Todd's new book was published. And, and we got together with that, that group. I think it's called the Big Discussion or something about the future of Hop and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the first thing I said to Todd is that um, if we want to reduce the risk of weaponization, which is where people take things and try to convert them into a tool, because that's what we like. We like to take things and turn them into a linear process. Mm-hmm. And we need to develop a set of guiding principles that as people adapt learning teams, that they can look back and say, does my adaption hold true to those founding principles? Mm. So the first phase we did was we ran a learning team on what were the five principles going to be. Once we did that, we sent those to Todd to say, what do you think of this madness? (laughs) (laughs) But there was no sense in going further forward until we actually worked out what those five core things were yeah. around that. And those five core things are not centred around any safety system. They are centred around how to get that true engagement and that participation um, happening where people feel valued in that way. And, and then the book sort of weaved on from there as part of it. Huh. Um and, and from that, what we then decided was that if we're um, helping people to explore what good looks like, and, and what was interesting is Todd said to me, look, he, he'd read the book, I think, three or four times because he kept going back because he kept learning more as he was going through it. Wow. Which was great from, from that point of view. And, and he commented to me, it's the, uh, it was one of the few books that he's read that... You can learn something in the morning 
and trite in the afternoon. Wow. The way we did things, we did things in such a way that you just give it a go. That's and awesome. the book supported that, that process for that person to give it a go in, in that way. Wow. Taking it forward, and as Todd would say, um, how are bouncing learning teams forward, <laughs> which is really important in, in the times of change and, and around resilience. Yes. Uh, what we've basically done is we've, we've now formed a community of practice for learning teams. So a place where people can connect in and feel part of a family and, and feel and and basically be able to learn from others through that whole sort of coaching and mentoring type process that we're trying to build. So uh, we've launched our website, uh, which is called learningteamscommunity.com to try and build on those things. And um, that, that website uh, has a whole lot of uh, free components and it has some other paid components, which, which will be announced next month for, for those that feel they need some different types of support or some more um, intimate coaching or mentoring around around that. Um, it's no different, um, you know, whilst training is valuable, uh-huh. training um, at the moment is being done in isolation. So a person says, right, I want to give this a go. They go on a training course. They give it a go. Yeah. It doesn't work out because that's the experience that I had. So when learning teams work well, it was amazing. When learning teams didn't work how I expected, I was left wanting oh. in that. So we wrote the book to try and deal with that because, uh, as you know, when you try something new, and it doesn't work as intended, you then adapt it. Yes. To what's worked for you in the past. And we call that weaponization. And when that doesn't work, then you blame the system. Yeah. Learning teams failed me. Yeah. So because we're in this no blame world, <laughs> we basically said, how can we do it so that um, we can support the person? And getting a good outcome with learning teams. Yeah. And that person needs to be able to see some form of roadmap of how they can progress and how they can build those skills. And and we've talked about that. We're basically saying that we've identified five core competencies. We've described what those look like. Given those levels, you're either emergent, uh-huh. you're either competent, or you've got mastery of skill. And, and this is not about developing a, a bunch of superhumans yeah. of learning teams. This is simply saying that this is where you are comfortable at being. Excellent. And acknowledging that people have really spi- spiky profiles. So some people may have really, really good facilitation skills, yeah. but actually they need to up their, their technical skills. Yeah, with regards to learning teams, or they might have, um, you know, really good listening skills, but are actually not that good at, at scoping and pulling people back in to, to, to focus on the task at hand. 
Oh, wow. Well, that means that since you guys are so young, uh, as far as the learning, the learning team community.com, then that means that throughout the, throughout the time, as you start getting more and more people built into it, you're probably going to see a whole bunch <laughs> that's going to really, really develop too. And I believe you guys got a, a, a few already, right? That, that have well, uh, signed up. You got me. Got me. Yeah, yeah. Look, absolutely. And and, um, and you know, w- w- at the moment um, uh, in New Zealand, we're working on a uh, a project order. So in our country, uh, health and safety offending is a criminal offence that includes um, uh, jail time and oh. and fines, um, up to um, three million dollars if you're super naughty, or five oh. years in jail, depending on which way you want to go. Um, oh, wow. And three million. Yeah, well, I'll take the three more. It's a horrifying. Yes, three more. It's all, all valuable. And uh, we, we had a client who, um, who who had an issue, and um, they, they basically decided that they were going to plead guilty. And they said to us, they said, well, look, rather than paying a fine, why can't we make some good from bad? And this was in the maritime sector. And the maritime sector is very much um, what we call command and control. No one questions the actions of the master or the skipper. No, no. Uh, yeah, not the aviation sector, very similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what they said was, why don't we try and do something where the entire maritime sector can learn from it? So we're in the middle of um, developing a learning teams framework for the maritime sector. Wow, that's a massive undertaking. Yeah, yeah, and and we've got um, a whole group of diverse organisations across the sector. So everything from uh, you know uh, passenger ferries to freight to uh, uh, you know volunteer coast guard groups, uh, ports, uh, the unions, oh. and uh, even like the power companies who do hydro. Yeah. As well. So a very diverse group of people so that we can look at how learning teams can be used across that that whole sort of diversity, not only of of industry, but also across functional diversity within the organizations. Wow, that's gonna be a great opportunity. Yeah. But the good part is that's about a two to three year project. And what we're going to be doing, Sheldon, is we're going to be following the journey of these people during that time. Do it with video too. That'd be awesome. Oh, look, um, you'll be once again. We've created these um, this um, journal environment mm-hmm. where people are able to ref- to record and reflect. And yes. we're going to be using things like uh, podcasts. Uh, video casts, all these things will, will be part of that process. Excellent. That people can share their stories in, in ways that are meaningful to them. It doesn't have to be on paper. Oh, man, that is awesome. I, I can't yeah. wait now. i got to see this thing. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, well, hopefully you guys will be able to, to post things from time to time and and uh, and keep us abreast of, of everything that's going on. That'd be awesome. Oh, look, no, we, we will, and, and that's all part of that community process, um, pushing that back through um, as, as well, um, because uh, what we keep saying is that this is a journey. Everyone's journey will be different. Mm-hmm. 
What we're looking for is how people progress in their journey and what they've learned from that journey in that way. Um, so, so we're taking probably an, a, a different approach to this mm-hmm. from a safety perspective. I, I know you mentioned about ISO 45001. Um, you know, we believe that things like learning teams can really help to embed those types of standards in an organisation. Yeah, I can see that. There's a huge shift in ISO. And, and uh, you know, for instance, there were some new terms that, there was some new language that got introduced with ISO 45001 that didn't exist with the ANSI standards or other standards. Yeah. And one of those key things talked about the OHS opportunities. So where did the opportunities that can lead to improvement exist? Yeah. That's what we think learning teams are powerful. And there was a lot of focus with the new standards around participation. And the standards are evidence-based. They're not documentation-based. That's key. They're not about show me your policy of it. They are are, show me your evidence of it. Yeah, the application. Yeah. Yeah. And a learning team is the practice. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's such a good idea. And uh, again, as long as the organization is committed top to bottom and no one gets their feelings hurt because their department is being looked at and or we you know, there's just probably some some bit of that in there too. But uh but in the pure sense of it, I believe that this is you know, something that is, is a long time coming. So congrats. Congrats on the thought, congrats on the book and the community and uh and i believe this is a uh it's going to be something that will transcend safety uh it, it should be an organizational thing as opposed to just a safety thing it'd be wonderful for safety and health don't get me wrong but i believe this has a, a bigger application that's true. and that's why the book is about safety quality and operational excellence we, we see those things you know I think your word transcending is really important. But uh, what we've done is we've simply um, uh, probably given visibility to learning teams based on all the pioneers of learning teams from the past. So from our point of view, what we're trying to do is is create better visibility about learning teams rather than creating something itself. Yeah. So the credit actually goes to the pioneers of learning teams. Yeah, I guess if you're looking at the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, uh, they they've had that, and, and NASA and, and some of those aviation, uh, they they've had this version before. So, correct, I I, I do have to give them their due. <laughs> and, yeah, but we're just bringing it um, in such a way where we can celebrate success and allow it to become embedded with the organisation where organisations don't have to change how they do things. And I think this is really aimed at the practitioner. So this is aimed at the person who's going to facilitate those learning teams. So this is a a kind of a how-to guide. Um, The thing when you're trying something new is that you don't know what it is that you don't know. And so what we're trying to do is provide some insight into these are our experiences. This is what's worked well for us. This is when we've seen it hasn't worked so well. This is what we've reflected on. and This is what we're going to be doing differently. And so I think that what you're able to do is grab hold of a whole lot of knowledge right from day one. So when Todd says, you know, you can read this in the morning and then apply it in the afternoon, 
there's some validity in that. You know, you can look and you can look at your own practice and just think about, well, how am I going to di- how am I going to have this dialogue with this group of workers? We've got this problem. We know what the problem is. We don't quite know how yet we're going to solve it. And instead of solving it in isolation, it's looking and saying, well, how do we involve the workers in part of that solution process? Yeah, and uh, that is uh, perfect. I really think that the the way for us in any organization to truly get lasting results is by incorporating everybody in the organization because they all are stakeholders. <laughs> so, and that's what you guys are doing. So excellent. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, for letting me interview you. I, I was so glad that that Jake uh, got us together. So I'm, I'm like really happy and uh, I'm, I'm I'm excited about about learning more and, and being more involved in the learning team. So thank you guys very much. Thanks, Sheldon. Thank you. Thank you. This episode has been powered by Safety FM.